Hello, hello, and welcome to Borborygmy, Noises from the Veterinary World, the podcast that lets you overhear conversations between veterinary professionals about anything and everything that's topical in the industry. The triumphs and the tribulations, they're all in here. I'm Naomi Meller, vet and podcaster, and we are into season two. So 2020 has been quite the year, which for a lot of us has featured more tribulations than triumphs, if we're honest. So in the spirit of recognising that the pandemic has upended a lot of people's finances, we thought we'd bring you a new series of conversations around money. We're being supported for this season by VetU, a veterinary-led community encouraging you to face up to your finances, to get the help and advice you need and start paving the way to a brilliant financial future, whether that's starting your own business or planning for your retirement. Everyone involved in VetU has had highs and lows in their own financial journeys. So this season is all about telling you the stories of our community to help you make the most of your finances. Most important of all, we want to hear from you over the next few weeks. Send us an email at hello at vetu.co.uk. Drop me a DM at Naomi the Vet or write us a review on Apple Podcasts with your thoughts and feedback and we'll be featuring a few of them each week. We really want to know what you think about money, about pay in the profession, about whether you even give your financial future a second thought or anything else you fancy. We had some interesting messages and emails about private healthcare following my chat with Katie Ford last week and quite a few tales from vets out there about accidents and injuries that have meant that they've had to utilise their insurance policies to the max. Helen Scott described herself as a walking disaster magnet. I hear you, Helen. And her booper cover as a bit of a lifesaver. She's had two shoulder surgeries and a lot of subsequent physio treatment. Helen, we really hope you're on the mend. Uh, thanks for your comments. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in that situation. We heard from people with back troubles who'd had surgery, loads of kind of incidents and injuries, and definitely lots of people commenting that their booper and other policies had been really helpful. We popped a poll up in VSGD Careers about this and over 300 of you took part surprisingly well over half of those people have actually got private health care either through their own personal policy through work or through their partner's policy which was way more than I thought it would be to be honest so perhaps we are starting to realize more and more that our job is physically demanding in so many different ways and that maybe we need a little more help than we think today I'm joined by Chris and Sarah McIntosh As you'll hear, the story of their lives for the last 10 years has been shaped by the consequences of Chris's brain injury as a result of hydrocephalus. It's no exaggeration to say that I was really moved and amazed during this chat. Um, It struck me that neither Chris nor Sarah are the kind of people who seek sympathy or dwell in self-pity. Their good humour and capacity to just get on with life is what really shines through in this conversation, I think. I want to thank them both for sharing their experiences with us. As Chris himself said to me before we started recording, if ever there was a walking advert for income protection, it's him. And it's definitely been a roller coaster ride for the last 10 years for these guys. They're based in Cornwall and I chatted to them from their home there. So enjoy this chat. It was 10 years ago it started and um, I, I was losing my vision just for 10 minutes or so. And like stupid, I was just like, oh, it gets better. It's fine. And and Sarah forced me to go to the doctors. But it would only happen once, once a fortnight. It, it, and and it would it would come very gradually. It, it would kind of, it would, I'd go into 
not complete blind, but I'd, I'd have a like looking through a toilet roll, and then and then it would come back again. And and oh, it's a bit weird, but I I I thought because it's got to go better, it's probably okay. <laughs> That's that's quite under-exaggerated, to be honest. What actually happened is, like, I'd noticed that his short-term memory was was not as good as it was, and the practice had noticed as well that he'd be on his way to a farm and he'd have to ring them to check where he was going when he was already on the way to places. And, I mean, you know, very absent-minded things like you'd go back to the practice to collect something and then leave again without collecting it um, and things. But you know, so there, there were there were definitely other symptoms. And then you, you got this where you would like you'd suddenly you'd be pulled over. You'd like, oh, I just can't see very well. I just feel a bit kind of, you know, but you didn't you, you definitely under exaggerated what it was. And it it took and I was just like that. This is this is silly. And so I I made him go to the doctors and then they referred you to they referred him to a migraine specialist because I did think it was kind of a um, a stress related migraine type thing. But of, of one, all the things that Chris has stress is not really something that has ever really been something you know that's that's been an issue they scanned and right oh my gosh it's uh, had a had a kind of a, a bit of a flip out and I, I virtually don't have hardly any brain left now they, they it, I've got such a big vac, vacuole in, in my brain that it squashed most of the tissue away so he was diagnosed with hydrocephalus um and yeah, and they said it, it could have happened from, they said it probably was there from birth, but he suddenly decompensated. Um, you did get lots of knocks during your job. And I, and I would become unconscious quite a lot as well, wouldn't I? So. I remember when we moved into our first house, he walked straight in, hit his head on a on a light bulb and um, a lampshade and knocked himself out. And that was quite a common occurrence to kind of, so I don't know whether that was, because of the underlying things that it didn't take much to make you knock yourself out, but you very regularly knocked yourself out, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Basically, they decided that they, they ummed and ahed about whether to do anything or not. And we decided that they'd, they'd do an operation. And that was the first time I used the income protection. Basically, they they did what's called an, um, a ventriculostomy, which is, is, is quite minor as you go for brain surgery. And, and they just basically put a little hole in the base of my ventricles and, and just it just allowed it to drain it was basically a plug hole um and I what I was to be fair I, I had the operation I was up and walking the same day um and I was out of the hospital the next day and I but the reason I had my income protection was that I wasn't allowed to drive so they the DVLA take your license away for six months after any brain surgery um so so I I had I had three months not being paid anything because it, it takes three months for the the conversation to kick in and then and then three months after it which it, to be fair it wasn't awful because we were both both working had no children we we were okay kind of financially but it was good to have at least it, it kind of meant, meant we were okay actually the practice that you were working at at the time um which was garston's and they were actually really good to you and they did actually pay you more than what you were contracted for sick leave wife they were really they were really really good um and actually both both times that's been the case the the practice down here when you had your second surgery um they also have been really really good actually um you know beyond what they contractually had to do they've they were both been very supportive practices which we were lucky from the time to the scan to having the first brain surgery was actually within a few weeks so and Chris says it's a minor brain surgery but they did say at the time which he can't remember that it was a kind of a one in a hundred chance of death and one in 50 chance of seizures and so 
definitely wasn't quite as minor as Chris rem- as, as Chris remembers. <laughs> I feel like maybe your perceptions of, of minor are kind of different. I had I had six months off the first time um, and I went back as soon as I got my license. I was, I was back at work. Gosh, when was it? It must have been another five, six years, you think? In hindsight, I, I, I actually moved jobs um, a couple of times in, the, in that time. And in hindsight, maybe I was, began to struggle a bit at each job as, as I built up the work. Um, so as people as it became more well-known and you got people want asked for you, I, I was struggling to keep up with doing the reports and things. And I, I was finding it was the, probably the first time I, I was feeling stressed. I couldn't do it all with a busy in a busy environment and so I was I was doing my day-to-day work and then saving up my report writing and things and taking that home and or going back into work after the kids were asleep and and just and I was I was, I was a bit like a duck you know sitting on the surface and struggling really hard underneath just keep and and we, move, moving jobs seemed to make a difference because I think it reset and it was like back to back to square on it but we, we thought it was getting a bit stupid and and I, I I was I was exhausted I'd come home from work and I just fall asleep I, I, I just had it I was a different person basically and and um grump, a bit grumpy and find I'd find him in the kitchen just kind of turning around in circles just going you know and just kind of I'd be like what what are you doing and he he couldn't you couldn't remember but mostly he just got really kind of frustrated and angry with himself. And he kept, he was always going, I'm really, I can't do this and I must be able to do better. And I can't, and I'm not doing a good job. So I said, look, you need to go, you need to go back and get this checked out again. Um, Cause by this time you dropped a part-time work because I, I was just like, we can't carry on like this. So try it. You know, you need to try and work part-time and see if that, that helps. And, and it did for a while, but then it just got more and more difficult and then you got referred back. I had, I had a, a, a neuropsychology assessment wasn't I which 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 was really interesting it kind of validated what I felt because I think people forget how much your brain works when when you're working as a vet don't you and and it I, I was in the 98th percentile for the for the population you know some some of my skills were there and then other ones I was in the bottom two percent kind of if, if you're doing a maths puzzle say if I was trying to work out a dose if I had to work out one number and hold that number in my head and then go back and then do something else I'd, I'd have forgotten the first bit so I, I was and, and I compensated and I worked on lists and I had to write everything down and and I and I also was guilty of just leaving things that I didn't think were important I did forget to do things but you know people I just told people just phone me back if I haven't if I haven't got, got around to it just covered it up basically I did say just just before I left that for the second surgery that you know gosh I'm having a few issues but, and I stopped doing out of hours because I was finding it difficult actually navigating and under, under pressure um and and I and I was I was making I was doing jobs kind of carvings but I, was, I just felt like I was a new grad rather than a 20-year qualified person I was, I, was, I was getting through it but I wasn't I think gosh I, I would have done that better could have done that better but yes yeah, so so, so we we owned an ad and, and but we decided we put um a shunt in place which is an overflow valve and the CSF excess CSF goes into my abdomen. It it, it hasn't made a, a, a massive improvement. Um it's it's kind of just it, it's kind of probably gonna keep it where it is. If I do something enough I can get get used to it and, and get better at it. But it's I, I I didn't improve enough to think about going back in and I can't do anything under noise or pressure I, I just it, 
I can't like I can't if, if I were having this conversation we had the radio in the background people were, I wouldn't be able to concentrate on what, what I was saying I went to the occupational health and and the guy there said that basically looking at the the nearest site reports and what happened that if, if I was a, a human doctor that would be it they wouldn't let me anywhere near a patient I wasn't on it enough to to, to be able to do it and, and and potentially what will happen as well is that I'll, I'll have an amplifying of normal brain aging so gradually more and more absent yeah that's yeah. it that's it so, so, it's, <laughs> so it, it shouldn't get worse because of the the operation because of the, the condition but, but I potentially have, I won't I, rather than going better I'll, I'll go slightly worse over time so basically we, we had a nice picture didn't we it had like about two centimeters of brain around the outside and the rest was fluid so I think the, uh, the neurologist saw when she saw it didn't she and asked me how I was actually functioning <laughs> Well, I think when they first did the scan, Chris, Chris didn't, you know, because he was already quite kind of absent minded, then he forgets. But um, and he left, like he got up to go and get changed and stuff. And they thought he'd left the hospital. So they were running around everywhere trying to find him to chase him. Because they're like, oh, my gosh, he's left and he's got this terrible, like, you know, so there was some sort of mass panic. They thought you just disappeared and walked out of the hospital. But you, you were just lost in the hospital somewhere. I think I just gone to the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, I, I, I would say. I mean, we were looking back, and actually, there's a lot of people I know that have had bad injuries as, as farm vets. I would, I would just say, even you know, three or four percent of people that I've probably worked with have have had an injury that's that's if it's not career ending, it's it's, it's career changing. You know, it's definitely quite common that farm vets need to have a period of time off, or more common than um more common than we'd like to think. I think that's why we had it. Really, was we just thought. I'm in a relatively high risk situation, and it, it would be silly not to protect ourselves, basically. Um, and and we, I don't, you didn't, Sarah didn't have any. I, I don't know why I didn't have it. I just didn't really. I, I think Chris signed up for it actually when someone came to college and talked about it. But then I, I did afterwards, and then actually I got it. I think I got it when I was um, when I was pregnant, like before before your injury happened. But then I was going to cancel, and then then it happened, and then I went, no, actually, I'll keep it. So. But it does seem like quite a significant expenditure. I think, you know, I pay 40 something pounds a month for mine, but which does seem like quite a lot. But I mean, without it, we would have had to sell the house and move. Um, I work a lot more hours now, but it, it just means that it covers the mortgage. And I mean, yes, I still have to work more than I did before, but but I can do that because Chris looks after the children more um, or they look after him one, one way or the other. Um, but but yeah, you know, if we hadn't have had it, then there's no way we would have been able to afford to stay in this house, even if I'd have gone back to, you know, doing kind of real full-time work and things, we would have had to have moved. Um, and it just would have been so much more stressful. And I think I think also it was something that was important for us getting it was that I, although I can't do the job that I was doing, I'm not quite bad enough to qualify for any state help either. Am I, I, don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't class as, I wouldn't class as, disabled or or anything like that i i can do all the the things but i just can't and and it, and it would be and it, we were thinking of kind of what else could i do and you know and there's not many jobs that would be you'd, you'd allow i i've just made mistakes so there, there wasn't a lot of options really kind of for me if if i wasn't i didn't have income protection really isn't it it's, I mean, it's a great, it's a good job you've got it really and also that you've got such a brilliant wife as well to be fair i think so yeah <laughs> 
Thanks so much for listening. It really does mean a lot to us that you do. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it wherever you can and do tell a friend. We would love more of you to join our little community celebrating the veterinary profession and those working within it. Bobberigmi is brought to you by me, Naomi Meller, as part of Vet Stay Go Diversify. Thanks to everyone involved this season. Your support is much appreciated.